because you're jumping back into the gut. Oh, let's hey, go. Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Awesome to welcome Dr. Corey Yeager and J.D. Dubois to the Basketball Podcast. Both Dr. Yeager and J.D. believe that mental health is a critical component of team success, and both have been on a mission to normalize the conversation around mental health in sport. Dr. Corey Yeager is currently a sports and entertainment life coach and psychotherapist. He most recently worked as a psychotherapist for the Detroit Pistons. Dr. Yeager has been instrumental in helping NBA players with their mental health. Dr. Yeager believes that mental health is critical to learn success and works with coaches to create a supportive environment for players' mental health. Dr. Yeager has a PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Detroit Mercy and is working with the merging of his two passions, athletics and therapy. Jared J.D. Dubois is an assistant coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. He joined the Lakers in 2022, working under head coach Darvin Ham. Prior to joining the Lakers, Dubois served as an assistant coach for the Detroit Pistons and the Toronto Raptors. Dubois is known for his work in improving mental health resources for athletes. He believes that the mental health is a critical component of team success and has been on a mission to normalize the conversation around mental health in sports. JD and Corey, welcome to the Basketball Podcast. JD, why don't we start with you? Awesome to connect in person. And when I reached out about doing this podcast, you suggested we bring Dr. Yeager on. And what a great idea. Let's explain maybe to the audience why you are both here together. Yeah, first and foremost, Chris, I appreciate the opportunity to to be on your platform. I obviously tune in often and there's just a vast amount of information that coaches provide. And I Hope to do the same. Um, Dr. Yeager has been a huge instrumental uh, part of my coaching career and a lot of other coaches and players. And just thought it was important to not only talk about coaching and basketball, but talk about the lens from a mental health, from a psychotherapy standpoint that Dr. Yeager brings. And then look to educate coaches on how, even though you may not be a therapist, there are some tools that Dr. Yeager has that can allow coaches to be more holistically supportive of the athletes that they have, especially with the social media era that we're in. There's a lot of different underlying struggles that our athletes are dealing with, and the more we can be prepared to support them, I think the better our game will be holistically. Well, I love that, and uh, I love particularly the focus on giving coaches practical tools to be able to do this in light of not having someone like yourself, Dr. Yeager. I mean, that's the ideal that we have someone like you, but if not, then we'll talk about what we do. But let's first talk about you, Dr. Yeager. What is a sports and entertainment life coach and slash psychotherapist? You know, I think the, the bottom line is, is in psychotherapy, it's really engaging and supporting folks mentally, emotionally, uh, socially. And that's really the work that I do in the entertainment realm, in the sports realm especially with players and coaches and front offices, because what we all know is that everyone has struggles. We all do. Every person in this world has struggles, but oftentimes those major athletes who end up being coaches oftentimes are taught to hold those things in. Don't talk about that. That's vulnerable. That may not be a good thing, but that doesn't mean that they don't have those struggles. So having an opportunity 
to support those folks like coaches on the coaching staff is extremely important in the work that I do on a day-to-day basis. So, I mean, JD, you're you're in the NBA world daily, on a daily basis. I mean, this seems to be something that is gradually being normalized more. That this acceptance of this and this vulnerability that Dr. Yeager talked about, this is becoming more normal to talk about. Is that true? Yes, and I think Adam Silver has done an unbelievable job of just his innovative understanding of the importance and mandating that each team have at least one mental health professional and Honestly, I had the benefit of working with Coach Casey, who provided our staff with a mental health professional before Adam Silver even mandated it. So being able to, one, work in a league where the commissioner values it, but then on a smaller scale for me to work under Coach Casey in Detroit, and even when we were in Toronto, he's always cared about this side of the game. And I can see in a day-to-day players that are able to feel comfortable and get that support. It helps them not only on the floor, but off the floor as well as they manage just the day-to-day life of a professional athlete. And Dr. Yeager, I mean, it seems obvious we want our players to be the best version of themselves in every aspect of their life, not just on the court. But maybe give us a real, really understanding of the value of bringing this full circle for players and to be able to support them in this way. Well, what we know is just like anything else, any any other endeavor, when players are playing and practicing and moving through their day-to-day lives, the struggles they have outside of the court may likely find themselves onto the court. But we can't really tell. So it's, it's quite different than physical injury. So if you, if you spray, if you get a high ankle sprain, we all know. We see you go down, you grab your ankle, you get off, you start to rehab. Everyone kind of knows it could follow that trajectory of when you'll be back. Mental wellness is quite different. No one really knows what you're struggling with mentally. So if you have some anxiety or if you have some depressive symptoms, you can mask them. And most people move through life finding the ability to mask those symptoms. Um, But that doesn't mean the impact is not showing up on the court or on the field. Um, So the importance of having someone that may start to recognize those symptoms, those little things that someone may be doing and being able to target those conversations in such a way that can be supportive of and understanding of uh, what that young person is going through or what that coach is going through, I think makes all the difference. Because then away from the court, we can begin to address those issues, engage, have conversation about those issues, and hopefully diminish those, sim- those symptoms that may be apparent. So I think that is the importance of having this type of support mechanism and having someone like JD, so I was with JD for five seasons in Detroit. So JD is not only a coach, but he really engages in that mental wellness side. So he's utilizing the, the understanding of that psychology in sports, not only as a, as a player, but as a coach to be supportive. Well, and JD, I mean, you're not doing it for this reason, but from the outside looking in, you are positioning yourself, and I think there's tremendous value to this, as a progressive coach for the modern era, because this is something that, again, in the past might not have been a part of a coach's toolbox, so to speak. So there's a conscious process there, I'm sure, to be able to educate yourself, to position yourself for future coaching opportunities, isn't there? Yeah, there's a reason why when the most people have an iPhone, when the update comes up, we usually, in the next week or two, we make sure we update because we want the most, the newest features, 
Um, when it comes to coaching and just understanding of people, like the research is kind of glaring at our faces that from a basketball standpoint, that decision-making and making sure you have variability in your workouts is like, there's just so much research that lends to maybe we should pay attention. And then there's just so much evidence and support that the human, not even the athlete, the day-to-day human has struggles that we don't see. And if we can help them manage those and we can help them work through them and heal through them, then we know the other systems of their lives will be impacted. And for me, coaching is such a collaborative relationship that if I can both be the X's and O's game plan, present what's happening on the floor, but I also have a deep understanding of not only what you may be struggling with, but I have some modalities and some tools to help you. Um, I think one on the front end, I can be a bridge between the clinician and the athlete. And then long-term, I can potentially become the coach and the clinician at the same time. And now Mm -hmm. coaches who are on the floor day to day, I'm also the person who has the educational background because currently I'm getting my master's in sports psych and then want to eventually go on to a PhD as well. But if the athlete can do his vitamin and his early workout with me at 930, and then we can also spend 15 casual minutes, me giving them therapeutic tools over the course of a season and over the course of a career. Um, I just think that it truly impacts the athlete long after they leave our organization. Just on that point, I was going to bring out the parallels between skill acquisition, motor learning ideas that, you know, have existed for 30, 40, 50 years with well-researched documentation and still just so much incredible resistance Mm -hmm. to applying these ideas. And the iPhone example is great. But Dr. Yeager, that's got to be one of the biggest things to overcome is these historical and cultural norms that exist not just in sport, but in society, especially around, you know, being vulnerable. Yeah, I think it's just the stigma of mental wellness um, that we deal with in, in our world. Um, that is is treacherous territory for us to all work through. I do believe that this newer generation is much more demanding that mental wellness be on the table than former generations. I'm a former football player, got concussions, had smelling salt, told you to get back on the field. That was just it. That if you, if you could still walk, you were upright, you're going to play. Those are no longer the the ways in which we move. But in terms of mental wellness, I think one of the things, I think coaches can be anxious about engaging this mental wellness, right? Like, how's it going to help us? Is this therapist going to be engaging and pulling things out from this player that I don't know about? So I get all of those things. But I'm also reminded then, anytime we think about anxiety, because that's one of the things that players and coaches deal with more than really anything that I've seen in the last few years. Uh, I'm reminded of an idea that says that we suffer more in imagination than in reality, right? So if we're anxious about something, that means we're suffering about something that may happen in the future. We don't know if it's gonna happen or not, but we begin to suffer from it, right? Now I'm anxious about it. Now I'm thinking, well, what if this or that? But the moment has never even come yet. So we're beginning to suffer from things that are not even real. So if we can start to slow things down, stay in the current moment, engage with ourselves in the current moment, I think that we all are, are, will benefit from that. And that's what we talk about. JD talks about a lot. I talk about a lot with players and coaches is staying in the current moment, engaging with self, better understanding who we are, and then moving forward. One thing, Doc, I got a question. 
from a coach's lens, I know this is a big thing in the coaching community of, okay, I do want to understand and be I'm cognizant of the mental health and the mental wellness space, but we are also in we are also in a performance business. And I don't want to feel like I'm coddling the athlete. I don't want to feel like I'm not making sure that they're being gritty and tough-minded. How do you balance? Okay, I want to understand what they're going through, but I also don't want to baby them or cater too much to them to where now they don't have the same approach of what we consider a a hard-nosed player. Yeah, I think there's a thin line between the two, right? There's a thin line between the two of those spaces. I think what we have to do is better understand the person as opposed to just seeing the player. Hey, I need this kid on the floor. This is what he gives us on the floor, right? I'm not going to coddle him. We need to get all that we can from him. I think that's always got to be important in any major sport. That has to be part of the agenda because that's that's what pays the bills. But what is new, what the newfound space that we're playing with is, but I also need to understand who that man is. I also need to be able to support who that person is as a man. And that's new territory. And I think it takes people like JD and myself, other people to start to bring that that story forward and say that we can, it's not a, a, a this or that, it is a both and. We can do both of these, right? I can support you as a man and not coddle you and get the, the most from you. And I think that that support of the man actually feeds who that player will ultimately be. Right. If I'm supporting you as a man, you'll probably end up being a better player overall um, because you feel as if someone cares about who you are. So I think that thin line is there. But I think if we can blur that and, and blend that together, everyone benefits. Well, I, I love the concept of suffer. We suffer more in imagination. I can totally relate to that, especially as a parent mm-hmm. of young daughters who are, again, constantly telling themselves stories that aren't true. And it's the stories they're telling themselves. It's not the story someone else is telling them. So maybe Dr. Yeager first, how do we help them counter this and obviously normalize that they're humans and all humans have issues and problems and all that stuff. But what can we do to counter that? I think the, 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 the idea of countering that, that argument of suffering from imagination, this anxiety thing is to capture and become aware of the inner conversation. We're always talking to ourselves. As I'm talking, JD is talking to himself. You're talking to yourself. As the listeners are listening to this, they're having conversations with themselves. But all too often, we're not aware that we're having conversations. We know that we talk to ourselves, but we don't know the impact that those conversations have on us. So if we can begin to engage and become aware of those conversations, what we can do is start to stop when those things start to run rampant. Oh my God, this is going to happen and this is going to happen next. And what, what happens if we can say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does this serve me right now? The things that are moving through my head, does this serve me and help me? If the answer is no, it's almost like a baseball mid in the mind. You catch that thought and say, does that help me right now? No, it doesn't help me. Then what am I going to do? I'm going to turn that thought inside out. So if I'm worried about something, I say, I don't have to worry about that. Because what I'll tell you that is absolutely true. Every person on this earth that is alive is batting a thousand on dealing with the circumstances of their lives. If you're alive and you're here, all the things that you've dealt with in your entire life, you've you've made it through because we're here. So that means we're batting a thousand. So if you're batting a thousand and you get up to bat the next time, what do you think you're going to do? Probably going to get a hit. I'm going to figure it out because I always have. 
So if we can slow things down, listen to those inner conversations, and trust that I'll figure it out, we'll be okay. We have to trust that the, the future will unfold in a positive way. That doesn't mean everything's going to be peachy, but it will unfold in a way that's beneficial to me in the long run. Adversity is not a negative thing. We need adversity. It teaches us, right? This is how we learn. I've learned the best and most lessons in my life from the most chaotic moments of my life, right? I didn't like it. I didn't love going through it. That's where I learned, though. So if we can start to re-engage, see this negative space as, hey, I'm going to learn from that. Because, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll stop after this, one thing that we must recognize is that all growth comes with some associated pain. You guys, if you're going to grow, something's going to be a little painful as you grow. So if we can start to see that pain as an indicator that I'm growing, we'll deal with it more. It'd be, it's more readily available to deal with because I can see that as part of the growth process. So I, I love this. I mean, and, and, and JD, you know this, effective coaches are proactive as much as possible and not reactive. So talk to us about that part of this, because that part of this piece is like, we don't want to deal with the problem after the fact. We want to try and deal with it before it becomes a major problem, right? You're muted. muted. JD, you're muted. Yeah, one of those things that me and Doc have always talked about, if you can create the space to where conversation is just natural, and then when you're shooting a free throw and you miss one, and I can ask you, what's your thought process while you're shooting a free throw? Do you, do you have one? Uh, I don't know. Well, okay, be aware of it, because that internal dialogue impacts you. Um, okay, when you, if you see a player consistently reacting to the refs or a missed shot, how can I create a space of conversation to where now I can educate them on um, certain language that allows them to be more aware? And to your point, the proactive, don't wait until there's an issue or there's a struggle or there's a five, 10 game slump, because we know at some point your internal dialogue, your thoughts, your perspective is going to influence your performance. We know it. It's coming. Maybe it's not a game one. Maybe it's not a game 10. Maybe it's game 85, and it's the first round of the playoffs, but it's inevitable. And because we know that, it's highly likely that this is going to impact the athlete. How can we be proactive from the jump, from the first conversation, first relationship? Hey, have you ever been aware of X, Y, and Z? And creating that safe space and that dialogue early on and having continual check-ins, for me, has been extremely helpful. So... On the path to expertise for anyone, one of the important steps is to be able to distinguish the difference between the important and the unimportant. And I've got to think in this process, that's a huge thing, right? Like the difference between a simple version, a bad day versus multiple bad days. Is that as simple as it is? Or what are some different ways that we can identify when we think, okay, it's this is beyond just a, a one-time thing. This is something that potentially leads to a long-term problem. You got that, Doc? Yeah, I, I think I, I like the reframe of bad day versus good day, important versus unimportant. The reframe is all of them just are. All of them just are, right? Because if I start to play with this dichotomy of this is important and this is unimportant, now I start to get into a dicey space. All of them are just what the, the moment brings us. And if we can be flexible enough to just be fluid and say, hey, so this is a struggle over here and it doesn't feel important, but it probably will add something to 
where I am down the line. So how I can, if I can move in with more fluidity, I think that it benefits. I think that's an important thing for coaches to understand. JD talks about it. I know he'll hit on it. He came up with an idea called holistic coaching. I think this is so important for coaches at all levels, from little league to high school, pro, college, right? Holistic coaching saying, hey, look at the entire player, right? Don't just look at the kid that can cross over and is a hell of a point guard and can go get us a bucket whenever we want. I just want to develop that even more. But I don't know what this kid's middle name is. I don't know when his birthday is. I don't know if he's dating someone or not. No, I don't really care. So that means if I'm only interested in that aspect of him, these players we know clearly are tuning in and have a radar all the time of do you care about me or not? They may not say anything, but they're always radaring if you care or not. Now, they're going to be good players. They don't get to the NBA being slouches. But if we can use that holistic mindset, again, that what's important, what's unimportant, all of it's important holistically. If we can use that mindset to support those players in a genuine fashion, that's what JD talks about all the time, that it can't just be, oh, I think I'm going to read this book or these things that were written and try to implement them. I don't really care about it. I'm just going to try to implement it. It won't work. It has to come from a genuine fashion, a genuine perspective, and players will tune into that. They walk away from a workout saying, hey, that cat is different than everyone else. Something about him I like. He really kind of cares. You think that player is not going to play harder for you in the in, down the stretch in the fourth when you when you chastise him and challenge him because he, he knows you are caring about him? That opens up so much opportunity that I think we miss and and let kind of fall to the wayside. And, and to Doc's point, one of the tenets of the holistic coaching philosophy that I I work through is collaboration or being collaborative. And if you think about an athlete. You have his family, you may have a girlfriend or spouse. You have his trainer, possibly in the summer, both on court and off court. Then he comes to us. You got the ATC, sports performance, front office, coaching staff, all of those pieces. There's no one that's more important than the other. But if we all can collaborate on who this person is, what this person needs, because the athletic trainer may get a perspective or a lens on what they're struggling with or what they need that I may not get because they see them as soon as he walks in the building, the rawest emotions, he gets on the table, whoo, vomits out how his day, how's his morning. He goes and lifts. The strength trainer gets him feeling a little better. A lot of times by the time we get them, they've kind of worked through a lot of things during that day that if we're not collaborating, not just at the NBA level, but at any level to whatever um, extent um, you have in your space. If we're not collaborating on the well-being holistically of the athlete, one department may miss because we don't see that same perspective of the player throughout our day-to-day. And we kind of brought up how do we be proactive. That's one of the big ways that that I've found has been helpful is just plain, simple, collaborating with everyone who may touch that athlete because they're all important. It, is it important to have someone like yourself on a staff, JD, who's kind of a liaison to this, or is is that should be every coach's responsibility to be a liaison to this? Yeah, I think there's so many different ways to coach, and there's no right or wrong way. But um, how I kind of see the game flowing and moving is that bridge between 
clinician and coach is extremely important. Um, how do we extract the research and the modalities that can help the athlete? But then also, how do we give them language that they can understand in the here and now? And things that may be, I can draw metaphors from being on the court. So when you talk about uh, things that are unimportant or important or what should I pay attention to and certain actions, I'm only reading either the low man or who's at the nail. I'm not really worried about who's subbing in. I'm not worried about who just subbed out. There's a certain amount of information that is going to trigger my decision. Well, internally, there's certain things that, okay, I don't, those thoughts, I don't really need to hold on too much because it doesn't really serve me. But who's tagging the roller is an extremely important, I can take clinicians' information and more times than not, nine times out of 10, I hope players at our level can understand who what a low man is, and then it's easy for them to now reference like, ah, okay, uh, I don't really want to hold on to uh, what shoes the guy at the nail was wearing. I want to hold on to if his momentum is going in or if his momentum is leading out to a shooter. So those kind of minute uh, details. But yes, to answer your question, I do think it's extremely important, not only for the coaching staff, but for the organization. Because if you have someone on the ground day-to-day with your players on the court, that also understands how to be supportive of them off the floor from a therapeutic standpoint. I think it adds value to that person. And then if a player is feeling good as a person, we know what that leads to from a performance standpoint. See, and JD said something I think is really important that, and we did this a lot in Detroit. I used to sit in on coaches meetings just to get the language that the coaches were using, because then I would find metaphors to use therapeutically that were connected to the game, right? So he's talking about tag the roller, he's talking about the bigs, all those things I'd say, okay, now I understand that more deeply. And how can I use that therapeutically when I'm talking to a player? I can use that metaphor to explain something that's going on in their lives, right? So now this, all this linguistic piece starts to be fully connected. Now the language that we're using on the court, off the court, the coaches are using with the players. Now I've adapted that language to talk about your relationships that, and what's going on off the court. So now all of it starts to be much more seamless because we know metaphorically, if, I, if we talk metaphorically, that's the reason that we use metaphors to, to be able to transition that information in a way that someone else can get. So finding that ability, I think, was really important, and we, we utilized a lot and still do. Hey, Coach. A brief time out from the podcast to bring you the Analytics Minute, sponsored by Hoopsalytics. Do you know which players should be taking what kind of shots? An analytics system like Hoopsalytics can help your team make better shot selection decisions. You can track every kind of shot each player takes, where the shots come from, rate the shot quality, track if the shot was contested, and see the results. For example, see which players are taking mid-range floaters and measure the results versus catch-and-shoot jumpers. As an added bonus, Hoopsalytics shot charts are fully interactive, so you can filter by shot distance, shot type, or even specific areas of the floor. Then watch video clips of all those shots or see the points per shot. Hoopsalytics brings the most powerful analytics to teams of all levels. It's easy to use and affordable. It's like AI for basketball coaches. Visit hoopsalytics.com ball today. That's H-O-O-P-S-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S dot com slash ball today to learn more and start analyzing your game for free. So 
I, I visited a college program and they brought in a mental health professional to talk to the team. That's great. It has to go beyond that though, doesn't it? And that's what I kind of most often am exposed to. Yeah, we have a mental health professional on campus or we have a mental health professional that talk to the team. The ideal situation is what you just talked about, Dr. Yeager, which is what you're in, you're embedded, you're there, but the reality is not, right? So can you talk a little yeah. bit about what is possible if we don't have the resources that we would say in the NBA? Yeah, I think that that that, that embedded, and again, I'm biased, so I'm not I'm not just saying whatever. I'm biased. You can be biased. That's what we're here I, for. I'm, I'm biased <laughs> in this conversation, but I do believe that that embeddedness is critically important. Because in an organization, in a university, wherever you are, it's tough for players to have someone that they don't know that may be really qualified, but they don't really see very often. And now all of a sudden, a player is having a struggle. And here comes this person I've never really met. I think they introduced this person in camp two months, four months ago. I don't even remember their name. And now I'm having a struggle. And here they are saying, hey, so let's sit down and talk. I don't know you. I have no idea who you are. I'm not going to share this stuff with you, especially in the black and brown community. We are told in our homes, don't be shared. You don't share that stuff. That's personal stuff. You don't share that outside of your own stuff. So what, figuring out how to become more embedded, become more part of the team. That's what I thought in Detroit. And I said it to Coach Casey, and, and he was a champion for this work, is that I, become, I want to become part of the team. I want to become part of the coaching staff. So instead of being called a team psychologist, I wanted to be a life coach, another version of coach. So what is my, I'm not a shooting coach. I'm a coach that helps you with your, your everyday life. So players will understand and, and engage with that at a different level. So I think there are tons of ways in which for organizations, universities use this because there's always therapists, psychologists out there that want to be helpful. And if we find the right one, inviting them to be in and around the organization, be in and around the university, when practice is happening, they're around. Because now all of a sudden players say, they're always there. Who is that again? They're always around, even though they may not say a lot. I think that makes it all the difference in the world. It can be quite simple, but a trained therapist being around, embedded with the team, will be able to add proactive support as well as reactive support. Both are very important because there's going to be reactive moments. There's going to be times where I haven't talked to a player and something happens. Well, that means we have to be reactive. So that, that line between proactive and reactive really important. Both are going to occur. And the only way we can really deeply serve is to be around. And, and to your point, Chris, those areas where they may not have the resources, first thing that came to mind is we have a program down in L.A. with uh, 360 Sports. It's an AAU program, small inner city group led by Danny Walker. And what we do is we go in a couple times a year and talk with the parents and we talk with the coaches and the youth athletes. They're between 10 and like nine and 12 years old and providing those youth athletes with some perspective and, and speaking with the parents and the coaches as well, just to give them baseline understanding, baseline awareness of how they can be supportive of the athlete, because to your point, they may not have someone who can be around on the day-to-day -day level, but if the coaches and the parents can be intentional about, okay, 
let me grasp a little bit more information so that I can be aware just on a baseline level and create a certain environment or a certain space. Uh, we've gotten really good feedback. Again, we're not able to be in those spaces on a day-to-day level. Um, but the fact that we do come in kind of that every once in a while, but the coaches and the parents are so connected and collaborative amongst each other with the information that they've received. Now they're able to kind of be that liaison between Dr. Yeager, clinician, and the youth athlete, even at 10, 11 years old. So I'm all for this because we got to get beyond the one-time article every year in The Athletic talking about a player coming out and saying they have mental health problems, right? This has got to be more normal for everyone to understand. And for you talking to some of those kids, they probably never even heard of this before. So you're bringing awareness to them. And I think in understanding both of you, the way you're talking, one of the first steps to all of this is to bring conscious awareness to players. What are some next steps then, Dr. Yeager, beyond that? Well, so let me just back up. Anytime, one thing that we must recognize that anytime we attain any level of consciousness, the thing that we know, good or bad, is we never get to turn it off. So if a coach becomes aware that the importance of mental wellness They're never going to be able to turn that off. They're always going to be thinking about it. It's going to always be on. So I think that that first level is the critical mass of understanding. We must become aware of the importance of supporting our players and our coaches from a mental wellness perspective. From that, after we get there, I think it's about integration. How do you integrate this mental wellness aspect into the organization, into the university? If you think about universities, There's probably on campus a psychology department with tons of young people that are doing and learning psychology and professors that are engaged. That means you have a wealth of opportunity right in your in your own space to say, hey, let's sit down. I've now become aware that this mental wellness thing is something that we really have to focus on. Now, let's sit down with the psychology department and the professors there. Say, how can you all serve us? How can you be supportive of us? How can we have two or three of you that start to travel with us sometimes on on away trips when we go to Ohio Ohio State and you're just around just in case kids need support? I think that is that next step of figuring out how to integrate because I think that's the struggle. Consciousness occurs, but then figuring out how to integrate, does it's hard. So I think that is the, the most critical step because once you integrate, you find the right people and integrate, now it begins to blossom, right? I think that the, the flower blossoms once that integration occurs. And that doesn't mean it's always easy, but I think that is the step that most people should follow after having that conscious awareness. And something that I feel has kind of helped me, even as I kind of put together the tenets for this holistic coaching space, is really four areas that I try to, or not try, but focus on on the daily. We already talked about collaboration. So, collaborating with family, friends, ATC, sports performance, the person they work out with in the summer, get a clear, holistic understanding of who the athlete is, being flexible. Some days I come in and I got 12 clips that I want to show over the last couple of games, but I can sense that you aren't really feeling the state of either how you're playing. And today, even though I feel you need it, I got to be flexible and say, okay, you know what? I'll just watch this pregame. I don't need to watch it now. I watch a pregame, maybe we go on the floor, maybe we walk through some of the same possessions that I was going to show you on film. The next one is intentional. Like, can I be intentional 
each day on the language that I use, the language that I pick up on. Okay, what are the common themes of complaints that this athlete has? Is that in your control? Is it not? But being intentional about picking up on those things. And then the last one is mindful. One, as coaches and for myself, can I be mindful of, am I bringing anything from my personal life to the gym that's now impacting the energy and the vibe of this player? Because we're all human. We have our own struggles at home. And if I'm not mindful of that, man, today I'm not. I'm not having a good day. Now this player that's struggling, who may have a little anxiety, feels that from me, where I'm giving him feedback that's really rooted in my struggle. Probably not that helpful. And then on the flip side, can I be mindful of body language changes? Okay, he used to really be with the group post-practice. Now he's just going straight to the locker room. Uh, pre-game, he used to sit after his shooting time and kind of talk with the group. Now he's just going back. Like if I can do that on a day-to-day basis, there's a better chance. There's no guarantee. There's a better chance I can catch what may be coming 10 games from now. I could catch it in two games because on a day-to-day, I'm just, okay, I'm downloading information, downloading information to be supportive and helpful. And we don't have to get to game 30, game 35. Um, and now there's a, a huge blow up. So that's really kind of my tangible day-to-day perspective that I think has allowed me to, to be able to uh, be proactive in that space. There, there's this, I think it's getting better. I'll say that first, but it, it, there's still this thing that exists in coaching where the coach is supposed to know the answer. The coach is supposed to be able to solve the problem. And that pressure from whether it's media or administrators or stuff like that. And I've had it even phrase like bringing me in the consult. One coach said, my AD would see that as a weakness. And I'm like, we've got to get beyond that, don't we? We don't have all the answers as a coach, JD, do we? And we need people like Dr. Yeager to be able to help us become better at what we do. Yeah, no, as a coach, we're we're coaching, but we're really learning. We're constantly being students of the game. That's the only way we can develop. And we're trying to guide the athlete to be able to find the answer. We're not going to always be able to present because the game is so unpredictable. Life is so unpredictable. If I can give you the tools to be able to read what's in front of you offensively, I don't know if he's going to run you off the line. I don't know if he's going to force you to the middle. I don't know when the weak side is going to come. But if I can create variability in your development as a player, you'll be able to manage those decisions. The same as life. If I can give you a variety of tools to manage, I don't know when you're going to have a breakup. But if we can understand, okay, what can I control? What can I control? I don't know when someone in your family is going to pass, but if I can build the habit mm-hmm. of slowing down, taking a deep breath, being present, then when those things arise, which we know they're happening, I just don't know how or which one or when. But that variability and just how can I guide you to be able to find the answer on or off the floor? So JD just said something that I think is really important. How do you, how do I guide you? One thing that I described and talked to Coach Casey a lot about as I got to understand my role in Detroit, I said, Coach, I think what I am is I do a lot of therapeutic support with players. But if you've watched The Godfather, there's a a, a guy that is what they call the consigliere, right? In the mafia, they would call it a consigliere, an advisor, right? And many times people move up the ladder and then you get to high positions and all the way up the ladder, you've had advisors. Now you get to a highest position, you don't have an advisor. From anywhere to turn to say, hey, what about this? What do you think about that? So part of my role started to be with that off-front office or, or 
coaching staff is an advisor saying, hey, I just want to ask you, do you, did you think about this? I'm curious, coach, what are your thoughts on this or that? Not to say that you should take that information and utilize it, but it can push you, that curiosity can push you to think more deeply about other things, saying, ah, Doc, you said that. I don't think I would do that. But now that you said it, it pushes me to think about this, right? So having that role from that therapeutic position that can not only be a, a therapeutic support, but can also be an advisory support. Let's use Dwayne Casey as the avatar here. He, he identifies there's a potential mental wellness problem issue, whatever we want to say. Is it as simple as him saying, hey, listen, you should go talk to Dr. Yeager. Or if JD's on my staff, I say, hey, go talk to JD. So how do I phrase that as a coach to show that I am supportive and I'm not dismissing their problem, but I'm not the best person to deal with it? Is that okay to say? I'll go first, Doc, and then I'll let you. So for me, having the benefit to work for Coach Casey and now Coach Ham, two coaches that it isn't necessarily what they're saying. It's how they're behaving and acting on a day-to-day basis. So showing the athlete, Coach Ham, on a day-to-day basis, we care about you. We're about winning. This is a championship organization. But who you are, how your family is doing, checking in on you, checking in on your family consistency, consistently, excuse me, and letting you know, look, we have support all over this building in any area of life. If you ever need it, let us know. Pulling guys to the side on a day-to-day basis. Like, I think I've had the, the advantage of working with two head coaches that their genius, one of their geniuses, is caring about people on a genuine level. And as an athlete, they feel, okay, this dude is asking about my family every day. Or this dude is take, making sure pregame, he's walking out and sitting with me and just kind of talking about life. To me, that's been the, the start two players being more comfortable because the head coach is somebody who they know cares about them holistically. And Doc, I'll kind of let you go into any more yeah. detail. But. No, I, I, think that's, I think that's exactly the point. I think to say specifically how this could occur, I think there's a number of ways it can occur. It could be that a coach goes to a player and says, hey, you may want to go holler at Doc. It could be that the, a coach comes to me and says, hey, have you noticed or seen, or maybe you want to talk to player X, Y, or Z, right? It can go either one of those ways. I think the smoothest version is to do things like when the team comes together after practice, the coach is talking to the team as a head coach saying, I want y'all to know we all have struggles. We all have things going on. And you may be speaking very directly to one player, but you're talking to the whole team. And I know we all have things and struggles and things outside of here. I just want you to know, hey, I, I think Doc is here to be available for all of us. Anything y'all need doesn't have to be. You can schedule with him. His number's up on the board over there if you want to hit him hit him up. So I think there's a different version and different ways in which you can engage with that to get support for your players. And I, I love that. I mean, that aspect of it is obviously helping them make make them aware that obviously this is a normal part of your day-to-day life. So then going beyond that, if I'm a high school coach, let's put our high school coaching hats on. What are some recommendations specifically to high school coaches to be able to create this environment in terms of a mental health environment for players to be vulnerable, to be able to speak up, to be able to seek solutions to potential problems? I would, well, say I would just say, in terms, oh. 
the safe space. So when you're 14, 15, 16, and you're not sure, am I able, who can I go to? Who can I talk to about this? If the athlete understands, okay, my coach cares about who I am, they're going to be more comfortable communicating when they may be struggling. To me, that's always felt like step one. Can we create a space where the athlete isn't suffering in silence and they feel like they have someone that they can communicate with? If the environment is such that maybe every once in a while we have our small group conversation, 30-minute conversation with the group, and we just talk about life, how school, maybe you do three or four players at a time, maybe you do individuals, sometimes you do the whole team. Give me one word that describes how you're feeling today. Just exercise. I'm feeling nervous. Then you get a common theme. Eight out of the 12 players have said, I'm anxious. This is what happened. I won't go into that. Eight of the 12 players said, ain't, ain't. okay, so now I know that the common theme of my group is anxiety. But the only way that I found that out is I created a safe space. I've made it normal that, hey, we come together and we talk about things. That, to me, has been an extremely important part of the youth sports culture is just letting them know, like, we're here for you. And this is going to be consistent. Just before you go, Coach, or Dr. Yeager, are those individual conversations, J.D.? I think it could work in a variety of ways. Some individual, because every player isn't going to be comfortable sharing in front of the group. Some smaller group to where you have your seniors, then you have your freshmen, players that probably are having similar experiences. Maybe you have your starters, and then you do larger groups. So in those small group conversations, it may be a little more intimate. And then everybody knows, hey, we're all in this together. And you'll be able to touch each person's comfortability. Some are comfortable large group. Some are comfortable small group. Some need the one-on-one. But I provide a space regardless of which area you're comfortable with, to be able to communicate how you may be um, struggling on or off the floor. Dr. Yeager. Yeah, to add to that, uh, and I think J.D. hit it on the nose, to add to that, if a a head coach sees this as important, there's a lot may not yet see it as important, but the ones that do, they have to, you can engage in the community around you to find support. So doing the things that JD said, I think are extremely important, are really the foundation of mental wellness, right? Showing that you care, engaging, safe space. But you can also, in your even in your high school, there's probably a school psychologist or a school counselor that probably has some skill sets that you could go to and say, hey, I'd love for you to come talk to my team. Uh, so tell me some things that you think could be important. Even if they don't come talk to your team, they can help give you information, thoughts on, Hey, you may want to touch on this or on that. Now, even outside of that school setting, in that community in which the school is nested, going to folks that are therapeutic in nature and saying, hey, would you ever be interested in coming to do some work or talking to our players in the off season? Right? So there's tons of ways. And most, many people will do that pro bono. High, I do a lot of pro bono work in high schools. Tons of, I do three or four high schools at this point right now in Minneapolis that I go do pro bono work. Right, that I want to get to my community. I'm not going to charge you 500 bucks for an hour to go talk to your team. I'm going to come support you. So, it, but if you don't engage or inquire or ask about that, many times you're not going to find it out. So, I think that's another addition. So, I guess for me, the, the thing that we talked about a few times here is that show them that you, you care. 
So for me, that's always been for me is saying to every player in some context every day that they belong, that they should be here. This is the right place for them. And I'm happy they're here and somehow connecting that and making it as, as JD said, building it into that safe space. What are some other actionable, practical ways to be able to create that openness or that safe space for players? Yeah, I, I think that the way that safety is built is similar to trust. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to show me over and over and over. Think about the people that you trust the most. That didn't happen in two minutes or two days. It took time. So that means consistency becomes the critical endeavor. That I have to consistently say, hey, I'm here for you. And, I, and I'm showing up every day. I'm here for you. I want you to know I'm here for you. You may not want to talk about anything right now, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. So how do you, over time, build that trusting relationship that can then turn itself into a more more deep and more complex space? So I think that is the key component, right? That is the the thing that you have to do. You have to show up every day. You have to verbalize to those, uh, those around you that you care and that you're about this work. Hey, I know that this mental wellness thing is something that's really important. It has become important to me. I didn't, I wasn't important last year. I didn't really deal with it, but now I really see it as important. I want you to know that we're here and I'm putting some things around us. I'm having some folks come in and talk about it. So all of a sudden players would say, not only is he saying things on a consistent basis, but now he's bringing people in to talk about mental wellness. There's all kinds of things that are now starting to occur. Now that builds trust, right? And over time, players start to say, okay, so you really are about this. Now I might, I might find the ability to be more vulnerable in this space. That safety is, is grown upon itself. So I think that that trusting endeavor over time becomes the most important. Yeah, to uh, just briefly add, I 1,000% agree. The consistency in which you approach the support and not allowing their performance to cause you to pull away. Obviously, we know high school, high-level college, pros, it's a performance-based sport. If you win, you're a good coach. You move up. You get more opportunities. If you lose, you don't have a job. It's hard to feed your family. We understand that. But the players have really nothing to do with whether we should be supportive or not. If he's playing well or playing bad, we're still showing up. I'm here for you. You need to sprint back and transition defense. You need to be able to understand personnel when you're closing out to someone. Those are important. And I'm going to stay on you about that. But I'm also going to stay on you about making sure you're taking care of all of the other systems in life. And I, something that I've seen at both the collegiate, even feedback from collegiate athletes and professional athletes, is that support waivers and it's kind of dependent on their performance. And that's when the trust becomes a little dicey because, man, you were supportive. The first 20 games when I was potentially all league, I sprained my ankle. I came back. I wasn't really the same. You're not taking the same amount of time to talk to me. Now it's going to be hard for there to be any consistent trust over the course of time or seasons. I, I know I struggled with this early in my coaching career. My collegiate coaching career was even though I was aware of psychological safety and the value of that and mental health and the value of that, mental wellness, all these different things. I found myself talking about them in abstract ways rather than concrete ways and very direct ways. 
And I felt that my coaching and that inclusive environment became better when I was very direct with the words and the terminology and not, again, trying to make it abstract. And that's kind of what I'm reading in between the lines about a lot of the things you're saying here is that it's okay to use the words mental health. It's okay to talk about psychological safety in exactly that way. And this is a normal part of everything that we're doing. And admitting that you don't have all the answers to this stuff, right? I think that's a critical thing to do to uh, to the players and people that are around you and your staff. I don't have all the answers to this. Coach Casey said all the time, I don't have all the answers. So, and especially in the realm of mental wellness, that's why we have Doc here. We're going to lean on him because I don't know. I may not recognize. I may not see. But we want to bring someone in that maybe that has a better lens on and a better frame on understanding mental wellness, right? So even that admitting that you may not have all the answers is much more concrete because players will, say, will listen to you when you say, I ain't got all the answers. I'm not going to profess to. They'll appreciate that, right? Like, okay, he's not trying to be know-it-all and everything. He said he doesn't have it all. He's going to bring support in. This guy must care at a different level than I thought. I didn't, I didn't think he cared like that. Okay, that means something. This speaks to the, love, the cohesion that may occur within a team. The more I trust that you have my back, the more cohesion can occur. The opportunity for cohesion starts to present itself when I think you care. Now all 15 players may start to be more cohesive. That doesn't mean they're all going to come together and be best friends for life. But the ability to cohese to one another increases. And that's really what we want. We could imagine the most important aspect of team sports is cohesion. If my team is cohesive but not as good as yours and yours is not cohesive, I'll whoop your butt. I will take you to the shed because my team is going to stick together through tough times and you you have better athletes, but my team is tight. So when we make mistakes, we're, hey, when somebody gets fouled and they're down on the ground, all four guys are helping my guys up. When your team has somebody fall down and everybody turns their back and they walk into the stripe, yeah, that's good. We're going to get you. Over long run, we'll get you. Sharing personal stories is a part of this as well, that that you've experienced this as well. Is that a big part? Yeah, I, I've always felt leading with vulnerability is a superpower. Being able to say, like, look, man, I, my best friend was murdered when I was 15, and I had nightmares for the large part of my young adulthood. And that was what drew me to continuing to understand the inner voice and mental wellness. And I'm not immune to having to make sure that I stay on a consistent engagement, whether it's yoga or meditation, because there's traumatic things that have happened to myself and to friends around me. I, I may not know exactly what you're dealing with, but a lot of times there are circumstances that either have happened directly to me or someone that I know. And being able to put that on the table and say, look, it's, it's still a struggle. Now, I work through it, and I'm intentional about the amount of time that I spend working through it. But I'm not immune just because now I have a Lakers coaching shirt on. And now, all of a sudden, anything that has happened in my life or is currently happening doesn't impact me. Leading with that, with that vulnerability and sharing your story, I think, has been something for me that's been beautiful working with the Lakers is because, again, our head coach leads with his story on his chest. You listen to his first press conference, he's going to share with you where he's come from because that's a part of who he is. And that allows you to see who he is as a human being. And then obviously his acumen and genius as a coach is 
um, second to none as well. But it starts with his ability to be vulnerable and speak truth to to you about who he is as a man. Well, this has been amazing. And and JD, I can't thank you enough. I mean, when you propose this idea and, you know, hopefully we have a small part in this mission to normalize the conversation around mental health and sports. And I can't thank you enough for sharing with us. No, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Hopefully coaches, players, parents can grasp something from this conversation and, and implement in their day to day. My overall goal is to continue to one, educate myself and continue to be a student and then find a way to be um, the liaison and build that and coaching staff and athlete, because we know the better the athlete and the better the coach is holistically as a human being, the better we'll be able to perform at a high level over the course of time while also enjoying our lives, because there's nothing better than performing at a high level and having a high level of quality of life. And Dr. Yeager, I can't thank you enough because uh, I got a chance to dive into some of your resources when JD highlighted uh, some of the work you were doing, and it's just tremendous stuff. So we're very grateful that uh, you could be here to be able to connect with coaches directly. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I love the work that you all are doing. I think it's really important, not just for the realm of basketball, but really for the realm of life, uh, which is so deeply and, and importantly connected. So I, I have my first book that just came out in October. The name of the book is How Am I Doing? 40 Conversations to Have with Yourself. You can find it really anywhere. Amazon, Google, Google it. My name is, is all over the place. But I, I love the work that we're beginning to do in this mental wellness realm, especially in the sports realm. And I think that we're just beginning to do this work. And there's so much more to go. And, and coaches like JD and yourself are really important to this endeavor. So. I appreciate the opportunity. Get the best instructional coaching with immersionvideos.com. Are you looking to become a better coach? Then immersionvideos.com is the perfect solution for you. Their downloadable videos provide expert coaching from all over the world to help you develop the skills needed to take your coaching to the next level. Get all access practice and clinic footage from some of the best coaches in basketball, including Nate Oates, Tobin Anderson, Doug Novak, Mark Cassio, Dave Smart, Francisco Nanny, and more. Try immersionvideos.com today and become an even better coach. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.